Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the Yiffy Market Podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. Uh, we're brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, joined by co-host Carla Jo Helms. Hi, guys. And today we'll be talking with Tony Vlahos of ExecuNet about uh, marketing yourself, basically, being, being your own uh, agent, as I understand it. Tony is the chief storyteller at executive job search company, ExecuNet. Since joining in 2007, ExecuNet has grown into one of the most trusted brands in executive job search. And today, Tony's going to give us some insight from the inside of a, of a firm like this on how you can be your own agent, how you can market yourself for your, for your career, if you will. Tony, thanks for joining us. Sky, it's a pleasure to be here. Hey, KJ. Hey, Nice so, to have you. Tony, you. I, I didn't have much I okay. threw into the intro there. Can you, uh, some, something that I was um, forced to do recently, can you tell the listeners one or two things? What makes Tony Blahos cool? What makes me cool, aside from this new beard I'm growing, which I don't know if you guys can see this, but yeah, aside from that, I would say um, my curiosity makes me pretty cool. It makes me effective at what I do as a marketer and just as a human, I guess, to want to understand what's up with people, people at a senior level, especially because that's my core audience. But in general, I find that that confluence of, of people and curiosity and imagination, which is another cool thing to have, makes a great outcome, which is something usually terribly new and different for certain kinds of people. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, curiosity is one of those words that it's kind of like, what does it mean? But people in general who think about this kind of stuff seem to agree that it's one of the most important traits people can have for success is, is curiosity. Like it's going to get you to go out there. I guess it's, it, it equals internal motivation or something like that to, uh, to go figure things out and get things done and do stuff. And you're going to have to want to notice things, things that maybe other people don't notice about your audience, but often what your audience doesn't notice about themselves. They might experience it. They might feel it. They usually can't smell it. They can't articulate it. And experientially, that's where you want to be as a marketer, just reflecting what I think it the audience makes really cares about. A marketer is more genuine. I mean, because you're truly interested in what's going on. You're truly interested in the outcome. Talking right. to somebody and really interested and curious about you uh, rather than somebody that's just trying to be interesting or get your attention. It's a, it's a, it seems to be a different flow or a mind. Yeah, just to build on what KJ said, uh, it is a terribly important not just to put messages in front of people, but messages that have some kind of a meaning for that audience. And that escapes a lot of marketers. They're thinking as if I just systematically pound people to death. <laughs> Some will submit and do what I want. And that doesn't usually work out very well for very long. You might do that for a while, but if you get to know them and increasingly and continually get to know them better, you'll find that that audience really comes to like you, if not love you over time, which is where you want to be. Yeah, I find uh, the curiosity maybe allows you to really become good because you're interested in your job versus marketing like you're making fenders in Detroit or something like that. And just pressing the stamp button, pressing the stamp button, it, 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 you're not really going to uh, get anywhere with, with that, kind of, uh, that kind of a approach to things. 
Um, so today's topic, marketing yourself. This has interested me for years. So when you were, were brought to us as a guest, I, I was quick to jump on it. Um, I've always felt that there's a need in the marketplace for even a lower level of what you guys do there for your average everyday employee um, worker to have an agent like a movie actor would have an agent or like a uh, professional athlete would have an agent because, you know, we've had podcasts on similar topics before about kind of moving along in your career and how to do it and, and whatnot. But, you know, most people are not salespeople. They're not selling themselves. And you get that whole separate issue with salespeople, but they're good at whatever their job is, not at negotiating raises and finding the right job and whatnot. It, it seems like people really should have an agent, you know, whether it's a job placement company that works more like that and says, okay, you know, we have a ton of, you know, high qualified uh, developers or HR people or whatever it is. And we are their agents. We get a percentage of what they make, but we're going to find the best job for them and make sure they're getting what they deserve and make sure they're moving along in their career. Am I correct in saying that's kind of, you guys do that for high end executives? Yeah, it's a part of what we do. And you're right that people really could benefit from an outside perspective weighing in. That's a form of agency. And as well, having someone at their side as they're journeying toward whatever their, their goal is, in this case, finding a senior level position. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, I would add, Sky, that picking yourself has never been more critical. So it's great to have an agent who can champion you and more than that, help you understand yourself. But you initially have to pick yourself. No one's going to market you in the end except for you. So wherever you are, in real space, virtual space, outer space, wherever you are, you've got to represent that reputation, that, that person who essentially is a persona you're going to live up to. And right. hopefully, um, whatever standards or expectations are set for that persona, you will exceed in your new role. You've got to commit to that and then network that way, job search that way, be that way, and show up that way every day. And that's not with the help of an agent. At some point, you have to take that on and say, this is what I want to be and, and do. Right. We don't necessarily have that kind of agency for your average everyday uh, employee, you know, listeners to this podcast, marketing managers, um, and those kind of things. Um, you're not going to go out and get Jerry Maguire to represent you and, uh, <laughs> and, and whatnot. You, you have to be that yourself. You have to take that interest in yourself and say, how can I better myself? How can I listen to what Tony has to say and apply it? That kind of stuff. So you made a comment about, you know, that's part of what you guys do. Can you give the listeners an overview kind of, of what, what your company, what ExecuNet does? Um... Yes, the thing that sets us apart from so many other brands is that we are focused exclusively on the senior level executive. So VP level and above, above a certain comp. So we are here to serve that person. And the way we serve them is as you alluded to, okay, agency and really helping that person understand themselves, their identity, carving that out, excavating it from all the job titles and MBAs and results that seem to push that sense of self further and further down. In the end, however, it's that who you are and who you are as a value creator, as a difference maker, 
that your next organization, the one that hires you, needs to see and clearly and compellingly. That's where we come in to help you understand what that is, what that story is, and then, of course, go to market with it through LinkedIn, your resume, which clearly is a marketing document, and all the other places and ways that people encounter you consistently. Okay, so let's, um, let's jump right into that. You mentioned the storytelling part. You're the chief storyteller over there. It seems like your company has a lot of that. It's kind of built around storytelling. So when you've got a client, when you've got an executive and they're looking for, you know, they're interested in a new job or whatever it is, um, what's the, uh, like, what's the process? What's, how do you come in and, and create a story or coach them on a story? Can you, can you lead us through that? Yeah, it's a, a multi-part experience. I often uh, half joke that our strategists and coaches are part therapists, part marketing agent, part branding specialist, part graphic designer, because it is a multi-sensory experience in the end, this thing known as a human being, you know? So to have the benefit of of someone who's at your side, who's a essentially a world-class expert helping people at your level move through that process, though it isn't linear like a process known as executive job search. That's, that's what really sets us apart, and that's the crux of what we do for people. So it begins by encountering that person mostly essentially through their resume and looking at this document and usually, in most cases, coming to the, the immediate conclusion that it's more of a history lesson than what it needs to be, which is a marketing document. And from there, we get a clue into, okay, who is this individual? What have they done? And most important, what difference have they made wherever they've been? What's their story, essentially, of, of being a purposeful executive who, irrespective of the companies they've worked for and the titles they've held, the money they've made, the results they've gained, shows up and is known for this thing? What, what is that thing? And that's difficult for someone who's done so much and essentially progressed so far in their career for so long to step back and say, well, this is who I am. We often equate that with things like, you know, CEO. Well, I'm a CEO or I am someone who works in this industry. That's not what we're talking about when we're working with our executives. And that, again, takes uh, some coaxing. It takes some, some open-ended questions, some confirming questions, and, and a lot of listening, a lot of receptive listening. At some point, there's this uh, dramatic realization of what this thing we're after is. And once that's uh, captured and unleashed and marketed to the rest of the interested world, amazing things happen. I know KJ has a question. You're in intri- your what is intrinsically part of their like their mojo that has made them what they are today. You're pulling out that intangible thing that's been driving all of success points or driving all of these positions. That's what you're doing. Yes, I love that marketing. term mojo. I gotta put that in an email to somebody. We often but seriously, <laughs> we, we often talk about well, I do anyway, mojo. So I'm glad there's someone out there who speaks my language. So you find and show them their own mojo, kind of. <laughs> yeah, and, and some feel they've lost it, not unlike Austin Powers. They think it's kind of, you know, this thing in a bottle, right? I've lost my mojo. Well, kind of, you know, you, you have well, to hold like, on to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is the ultimate. When I think this and what you're doing, it's not just helping them land a, you know, another high-powered gig, right? You're You're actually, in essence, it's like the me plus ultra personal PR. You're finding out 
this tangible thing that's been this driving force that they've developed over the years, you know, that has made them what they are, and you're selling their personal brand. That's right. now what you're doing. So the yep. resume is going to say, here's the features of this product, kind of. Can anybody win a job based on a resume? Or is that just the basic stats that get you in the door, maybe? Well, a resume is designed to achieve one thing and one thing only, which is get you an interview. Right. So you can lose the job based on a resume, but the resume can't really win you the job. It, it can't. And a resume that isn't doing what a marketing document is supposed to do also will not get you that interview and certainly, therefore, won't get you the job. And again, this is another misstep that so many of us make in our careers where we believe that and we've been taught to load our resume with every job we've ever done back to my newspaper route, you know, when I was a kid. And therefore, I just kind of build it chronologically, which is nice, and make it action-packed with, with all the, the responsibilities we've held and have objective statements. And that might work fine at certain levels, but when you're at the senior executive level, it's not where you want to be. You want, no. you want to be mired down in objective and, and anything that would suggest that your, past, your path was not deliberate, that your odyssey wasn't something that you've steered in some way. And it, it that's the story. No, we, your resume should be able to do that. It, it needs to market yeah. you that way so that it's been a meaningful, purposeful journey. Even with gaps, even with some sidetracks, there were learnings there. There were things that you picked up that ultimately informed your mojo and made you who you are. And that's what employers look for. When you spend a couple of years in prison, does that go down as sabbatical? Uh, how do you make that in <laughs> <laughs> purpose? Well, I'll I tell you. Took a couple of years off to I get mean, in shape. You know, if you're really good at it, you could really market that. <laughs> that was a learning experience, right? You're going to have to. I mean, in the end, you're going to have to because what's the alternative? To leave that gap or to yeah. say, yeah, I was in prison, but let's move forward with our conversation. You need to be able to make that a part of your, your mojo. I love what KJ said. I'm going to keep right. saying that. And oh, you know, the way to, the way to do that. Cool. <laughs> is to help people see if that's, let's stick with that hypothetical, though sometimes you'd be surprised <laughs> what we find on people's resumes. That has oh, to be no, something that looks like a, a meaningful moment for you. Yes, you were there. What did you get out of it? Right. Did you teach others anything? Did you learn anything that will inform your journey going forward? Will you do it again? And what, what will you do again? Because what you gain from that experience is something that will transfer to the difference you'll make at your next organization. Right. I mean, that's a pretty extreme example, but maybe yep. you worked in finance and, and you're like, yeah, I spent, you know, I spent 12 months in prison because I didn't flip on my bosses. Don't you want something like that working for you? <laughs> but more likely it's, I got fired from my job and how are you going to represent that on your resume? Because it's, it's uh, that's probably a much more common issue to have to deal or with. I really have mothers that have taken a sabbatical to raise their kids, right? right. Well, we have uh, more examples. We have many executives who are in a sandwich generation, you know, they've got younger children, some of them, and they've got aging parents. And sometimes they have to make a choice and make a decision or leaving out the younger children. Many have got aging parents. Many are working through illness. And again, if you left that gap, all your 
potential employer or a recruiter would see is that gap and they would fill it themselves with well i guess they were missing an action for yeah. this <laughs> right and the better course of action is to authentically and in a compelling way tell the story of how you use that time how you set priorities how you made decisions the, the time were the right things to do because that also shows leadership it says that you are self-directed it says that you can uh, make choices that are hard and then get back on track and i think right. that's a way better story than you know, yada, yada, let's move forward, you know? Right. So I decided to do this. Here's why. And here's what I got out of it. Um, here's what I learned kind of a kind of a thing, regardless of what it is. Um, like you said, purposeful, having done it with intent, or if something happened to you, um, you know, how that affected you and why that, that, that makes you a better hire, I guess. Uh, okay, I'm being a listener because I'm dying to know what's the what's the most interesting or challenging thing that you had to turn into this mojo. Can you give us something without naming a person? Yes, I will. I will tell you that we have seen more, and I wish it were a cheerier answer, KJ. But we have seen executives needing no, to bow out of corporate life because of cancer, because. Oh. Their parents needed to go into an assisted living program, and it just required that level of research and time and commitment. And those are most of them. Now and then, we'll see people who decided to go off and be an adventurer for a while. And it looks like they just checked out of the civilized world for a bit and you know joined the cast of Survivor. But the fact right. is, when you get underneath and listen to that story, you find that this person potentially was at a crossroad and needed to take time out for themselves and get in touch with. And suddenly the person that reemerged was stronger, better, smarter, more productive, more committed, more creative. And that's a great story to be able to tell a potential employer. Excellent. So it is for, a great story and it doesn't have to be really crazy funny. I really like that. For listeners that are entry level, um, you guys work most with executives. So I know I'm challenging you here, but most, most of our listeners are, are more entry level. No offense to the listeners that, that aren't. Um, we, we love you guys too. Uh, but for people who are more entry level, so just because there's so many more of them out there, um, what are some tips of things that they can start prepping, that they can put in place, you know, an entry level marketer, a marketing manager to help them down the road with their career? You know, I, talking about just ongoing resume stuff, LinkedIn stuff, PR stuff, building their Rolodex, building their social following, what, what kind of stuff like that should people be thinking about early in their career? I would say the number one thing is don't wait until you've lost your job to start looking for your next job. Ooh. And that doesn't even mean that you are thinking about changing work. It's about showing up purposefully, deliberately, thinking about while you're, for all intents and purposes, happily employed, you're in role and even at a lower level, but you're thinking about what difference you're making where you are, what your gifts are. You're in touch with those things. You're networking very actively, not ostensibly because you want to find work, but because you want to build that foundation, that relationship where you're potentially helping someone else, which is really what networking is about. It's not about taking something. It's about giving something. And yeah. Are you treating it like you're in a dorm room in college almost and you need to get to know all your professors and all your <laughs> options and all your this and that? And, and you have to make all these connections because you don't know what you're going to need them for, but you're there. You should you know, get to know everybody within your industry. Maybe you're going to hire them. Maybe they're going to hire you. Who knows where you're going to go kind of? It is about that. It's about, I like to say it's about 
uh, working and living more spherically than linearly. Linearly means I go to work, I check out, I go back home, I watch Netflix, I go to work, I check. It's like that. And along the way, there are missed opportunities, like to go a different way and meet someone you haven't met before or go to an industry function or connect with people that you knew in college who you liked actually and you're wondering back to curiosity what they're up to now long before you ever need them for anything and that's not the way to think about it needing them right. because they might need you they might want to hear from you or someone who can make a difference for them and if you're i believe living that way there's a karma that goes with the mojo that spells success for you in the future because you've touched someone today long before you ever needed to find a job I think this is why salespeople are so dangerous to hire because that's their natural mindset almost. And it sounds, it sounds maybe more manipulative than it is. And maybe some people think this way, but there is a context to, Oh, I need to stay in regular touch with this person so that when I need something, it's not, you haven't heard from me in five years and now I'm here because I need something. You know, there's always that person where people say like, oh, so-and-so called me. What do you need? Because you only call if you need something. And then you think, okay, well, I better call regularly so that when I do need something, I'm not that guy. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's a similar kind of thing, but there is, a, I think, a profound difference. You're not really selling anyone anything. Not exactly. I mean, we're always kind of selling, as Daniel Pink has written. But there's a way of doing that authentically, purely, I believe, that, that simply says to someone, I understand you or I want to understand you. I get you or I'd like to get you. And let's hang out and just kind of understand where we're going and what our career means to each of us and where we might even intersect and work. And you'd be amazed how all those things that you've nurtured and cultivated and taken care of throughout your professional life follow you around. And there's a dividend that's paid there. I don't want to think of it and right. don't think of it as an investment, but there's something about that that rings very true. If you do it in a very good human way, then I think there is that, that energy that follows you around. Right. It's, it's um, kind of intentional maintaining of your, of your network, if you will. So it's thinking we may be able to provide each other value at some point in the future. We're in the same space. We, we should know each other. We should be in contact. Um, and if you're not maintaining those connections, then there's so much you could miss. You well, and sometimes be- you're in different space. I'll give you an example of what goes down in our senior level executive networking meetings, which yeah. are small and intimate by design. We limit it to 25, maybe 30 people at the highest level. And they come from all walks of life. What they have in common usually is that they're in search or soon will be in transition. And we get this now and then we get, you know, a CEO or a CXO saying, well, why would I want to hang out with a bunch of other unemployed people? And what we often say to them, and here's the life lesson. Well, they're not unemployed people. They're people with connections. They're people who might know someone in the industry where you want to work, even if they're not in that space, they have friends. They have friends from college, peers, colleagues, subordinates, supervisors, their sisters, you know, friends, brother, who actually is a good person to know who might be able to be your stepping stone into that organization you're dying to get into. And if you don't walk into any space, whether it's 
a networking meeting or the Starbucks with that mindset, you're going to miss opportunity. But if you walk in curious and wondering and thinking about connection and who might present themselves, the serendipity of it all, then amazing things will happen for you and to you. Excellent. Um, I want to loop back before the break to the storytelling part. Yep. Um, I don't feel like we've touched enough on that. I, I know that's your expertise. Um, so can we grab a scenario of a mid-level marketer, say a marketing manager, and they want to develop their story for their career? They know they're not going to be at the company they're at. It's not 1950. We're not going to be at the same company until we retire anymore. They're probably going to have multiple job changes. Um, how do they start developing their, their story? Think about it as you would any tale which involves characters and the development of characters emotions, something that your reader or your viewer will look at and say, yeah, that's about me. That touches me because that's what makes a story great. It could have all the other elements, but if you're presenting it to someone to whom it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. So I would encourage mid-level marketers to think about their career trajectory in that fashion. And when you start to set those not parameters, but those signposts and guide your creation of a story. Suddenly you're not thinking linearly about all the jobs you've held so far, what your GPA in college was. You're thinking about what you took away from experiences that help you fill in the character, which is you. You're the main character of your story. And to be able to bring in others who are both protagonists and antagonists could be a, a boss that just didn't jive with you. Well, there's a way to tell that story that doesn't diss anybody. It's a way of saying it that helps others see that this is part of the human condition. What did you make of it that was positive that you're going to pass on because you've learned from it? So is it a that, challenge? Is it mostly a cha challenges that you've gone through that really resonate and, and you know, make that emotional impact or connection? In there the is certainly yes there's certainly the drama of that often though it's other life moments what did you make of i don't know meeting your significant other what did you learn from having a child uh, what was it about getting a promotion that was above and beyond the increase in comp that made you feel both responsible and empowered in ways that you didn't before. I'm speaking as I would to someone who's mid-level, but it's that sort of thinking that helps you shape it and, and very deliberately make it a part of who you are because it is you just haven't thought about it that way before. It seems like the Got stories it. are almost mini case studies where you're saying, and, and they, they seem to require a lot of intent and thinking with intent. And it dawns on me that if you approach your job this way and you think, okay, who do I want to be? Where do I want to be? And you start behaving that way and doing the things, whatever that person, you know, if you want to be a good person, we'll start behaving like a good person. And then you'll suddenly be like, Oh wow, I am. <laughs> I stopped kicking dogs and suddenly I'm <laughs> a way better person than I used to be. Um, but it seems like just by th having that intent in your thoughts of your career, it's, it's almost a self fulfilling because as you're doing stuff, you're thinking, I'm working on this project and you're no longer thinking, I need to stamp this out and get through it. You're thinking, how does this apply to my story? And now you're like, oh, I've got to, I've got to kill it on this project because this is going to be a case study for my career, for where I want to be. If I just sleepwalk through this, then I, I don't have, I don't get something I can present from it. Like you need that 
you know, you need that win. <laughs> you need those, those stats that you can put into, build into a story almost. And I know this is purely work and you're talking about all of life, but maybe in life also, when you run into problems, thinking about, you know, how is this going to reflect on me and who I am and where I'm going? And just by having those kind of thoughts, it seems to, to make better outcomes because you're thinking about it already. Well, yes, you are. Yeah, and you need to market it. Right. Say what Tony's doing, market that story, right? Yes, and just to round out what Sky said, which I agree with, there's a level of emotional awareness about your own self that, that uh, naturally, and of course, with a little watering, starts to emerge from the, the you, you know? And so you start to understand yourself a lot better and interact with people differently. And when you show up at those projects, it's not just you with a job title showing up to contribute or be a part of something. It's you with a superpower. It's you thinking right. more deliberately about what difference you will make because this is a thing either you've cultivated or others have helped you see about yourself that sets you apart. And it doesn't mean you are terrible at other things, but it means that you're known for flying. You can look through walls. You can right. do stuff that others can't. And eventually, that's going to be the thing that sets you apart. And I love to quote one of our senior executive coaches when we talk about superpowers and, and things in my own lexicon. She says, if you're not um, distinct, you are extinct. And I, I love that because mm. it, it helps you in a, in a pithy way really remember that you have to set yourself apart because Otherwise, you'll be forgotten. People won't remember why they invited you to be on the team. If you contribute or a cog in the wheel, well, that's needed as well. But maybe you want to be more than that. And you need to think through it a little more intentionally and act yeah. intentionally to be that way. That's weird. So I started out because I went to this event uh, the other weekend and they, they did this thing where they grabbed people and said, okay, what makes you cool? And people were saying, um, you know, things about what they do for a living and stuff like that. And they're like, no, no, what makes you cool? Like, Okay, one guy had been bitten by a shark. Okay, that's pretty cool. Not many people get bit by a shark. Um, like, and it really, it seems like I randomly asked you that question at the beginning, not knowing we were going to be going here, but this seems to tie right around to not making yourself a commodity. Now, maybe in the job interview, the thing that makes you stand out and, and not be a commodity isn't that you were bit by a shark, but maybe that is part of your story and part of who you are and there's a lesson there or whatever it is. Maybe you had a big epiphany. Yeah. If you got bit that, by right? a shark and you were in the water for 10 hours and survived, okay, that's, that's a pretty good part of your story. Um, so it, it seems strangely connected. Like we're getting back around to, oh yeah, don't be a commodity. And sure, cool things can happen to you that are like, oh, I didn't die when XYZ happened but then you can make cool things happen too. I mean, people climb Mount Everest and that's not a ton of people have done that. So you can say, Hey, I've done this. This is something interesting about me. And here's what I learned from it kind of um, to, to separate you from the pack. Yeah. Just having your resume printed on a different color isn't exactly uh, probably going to fly um, these days. <laughs> okay. I love this. You gotta, you have to make yourself not a commodity if you really want to, um, if nothing else, what is it, even if it's being bitten by a shark, that's going to separate you in the interview so they even remember you versus other people that have very similar resumes and backgrounds and thoughts um, type of stuff. Yes. I want to I take a quick break. After the break, I want to give some, uh, I want to not give, get from you. I'm not going to be giving any advice. Uh, some, some very specific <laughs> do's and don'ts for people. 
when it comes to uh, to developing their story. So we can uh, uh, give people a hand here. You could probably advice on that. I can make some stuff up, but really, I talk a lot on this podcast. Listeners, as some of you probably figured out, most of my advice is, is made up, so take it with a grain of salt. That's why we have experts on to give you real <laughs> real advice. I'm, I'm a moderator. We want your dues and yeah. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get the real advice from, uh, from Tony uh, right after the break. You're listening to the If You Market podcast, and we'll be right back. Is your data company ignoring and gouging you or gouging and ignoring you? Those are the main reasons our customers move from the previous list provider Mountaintop Data's Top Data Search platform. What's Top Data Search? Well, with Top Data Search, you can search our database of 20 million plus business contacts and download lists with complete contact information. It's a convenient tool for both sales and marketing departments to get accurate lists. It's free to have an account. There's no annual contracts, no seat fees. Top Data Search is just easy access to accurate data. And when you reach out to us with questions, we actually give you answers. Visit topdatasearch.com and sign up for a free account with the coupon code IYM300 and get 300 free credits. Or if you're just curious, go to topdatasearch.com and run some searches on our open search tool, no account needed, by clicking the search now button. That's at topdatasearch.com. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. We have Tony Vlahos here with us, Chief Storyteller at ExecuNet. Um, it was brought to my attention that I skipped over something at the uh, beginning of the show here. So, uh, Carla Joe, let me throw it to you. You want to take it away? Yeah, we're talking about creating these stories. Um, and I want to know what's your story. How did you get into this? Thank you for asking that. It It is a, I guess, when I think about it, and I hadn't for very long before, but as I got more and more into what I do as a marketer, I began to ask myself that question because it's important to have a good answer, both to others and to myself. So I have no formal degree in marketing. It's not what I set out to do with myself. I have form, first and foremost, I'm a musician and songwriter. I've been that longer than I've done anything else, still do it. And when I began to think about what the tie-in is, then it became very apparent to me. So when I was a kid, and I think there are still some vinyl record stores, but I would run down to the record store and pick up vinyl. And I'd look at the cover art and fall in love with the cover art. Often I didn't know who the artist was. I'd look at the album art. I would rush home, smell the plastic. I Then I'd tear it open and smell some more. I would read the liner notes. I would, in other words, experience the artist from the outside in, the packaging of the thing. Then I'd put the thing down and listen to it on the turntable, and suddenly I would experience the artist from the inside out. And when there were lyrics included, I'd read those as I listened and heard the melody. So that for me was my marketing education and my education around branding. And when you think about it in those terms, it becomes very apparent what that connection is, which is connection. It's about human touch. It's about reaching someone uh, with your full self, you know, experientially multi-sensory stuff. Let's not even go in the direction of concerts and, you know, what goes on there, but there's that energy as well. So there are parallels that became very apparent to me with what I do uh, as, a, as a marketer. So that's the story, KJ. That's a really cool story. Um, you know, find some of the, the best marketers are ones that are self-taught like yourself you know they have this existential 
type experience and something else. And uh, speaking of the, the, the thing that makes you cool, um, uh, Tony, uh, I, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, one of the, the things you list is avid boot wearer. Yes. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is true. You I know, love it when the, people put something personal like that. It, it helps people remember you and gives a little personality to you other than here's my stats that 10 million other people have as well. Um, speaking of your LinkedIn profile, that's kind of a big thing in getting hired these days. Mm -hmm. I, not many people hire in the circles that I walk in without having looked at somebody's LinkedIn, obviously Facebook yeah. and stuff. You don't want a lot of pictures of you partying and being crazy and passed out and stuff like that on your, on your social <laughs> profiles, if you plan on moving up in a company, but LinkedIn, um, you have a very limited job history on LinkedIn. Is that, are you intentionally restricting what people see of your job history so that you can control it more? Um, and do you recommend other people do that? Or I guess I'm making a lot of assumptions here. Can you speak well, to that? I can. Uh, there are, this is action-packed. We'll talk about job history. Then I've got a thought or two around, around the profile. Not mine particularly, but maybe it's a good example. I don't know. But looking at my job history, before that, I did a little bit of editing for a legal publishing company. But I guess what I decided very deliberately was to showcase the positions I held that were really specifically marketing oriented because it tells a narrower and in many ways more targeted story. That's the story you mm -hmm. want, right? So if you worked at yes. a one hour photo lab in college, you don't need to put that in your job history. It's irrelevant to your story. Correct. Now, certainly there are, there are skills and, and things that are part of editing that are critical to marketing. But I am able to back that up, demonstrate that simply based on the roles I've held with uh, in the last, whatever, two, two spots that are listed on my profile, which brings us to the profile and the misstep that many people make. And I notice, of course, more than others is senior level people, but I think what I'm about to say applies as well to others. You'll read things in most cases like I'm a results oriented team uh, player who uh, is innovative and blah, blah, blah. Well, who okay, isn't? Task, what other buzzwords right. can I find? Who um, isn't? And it doesn't, the misstep is that it doesn't distinguish you, distinguish you, distinguish you. I said that <laughs> in um, not any way at all. And it's a wasted moment. It's a really a place for right. you to be far more human, to let people inside learn something about yourself that, is memorable that makes you unforgettable and would suggest to someone this person is largely irreplaceable now the profile may not answer all those questions but it's got to be intriguing enough to endear you to the person who'll get you and not everyone will and you can't worry about that and so much of what we worry about is will i get the job will i well you know those kinds of things are about fit as well we haven't touched on that but you might attract all the wrong people with the wrong profile. And then you have to live up to something or fall into something that you really didn't want to do with yourself. And that's a whole other yeah. conversation. I like the, you said before huh. the break, always be interesting. And it seems like the, the old school trick of printing your resume on a different color paper is, is just kind of a cheap attempt at being interesting, at being noticed at, it's not just another page in the stack. But I remember from my days hiring and looking at resumes, looking over a stack of resumes is a terrible task. 
and looking at people all saying they have all these personality traits that are all the same and copied from some what to say on your resume site, it's horrific. And I remember just looking at the page and saying, it's this long. There's all this text. They started out with this. I'm not going to look any farther. Like there's nothing distinguishes them from everybody else. And I'm not going to read 50 resumes that all have the same personality traits listed saying they're great at this and that and that and that and really a human person and this and and I'm like that's just all garbage it seems to me that having a much shorter resume that has something interesting you know um or you know actually you said always be interviewing i changed it to interesting sorry well <laughs> they both apply and what saddens me the most about reading those those textbook profiles those textbook resumes it is clearly an attempt by a human to want to hide, to want to fit in, not to stand out. It's the opposite of what you want, but people are playing it safe. They figure yeah. if I use all those words and I've got the keywords and it's optimized, not that optimization of your whatever is unimportant, it is, but don't, don't push out the human that needs to come through and really be the center of attention in that marketing document or yeah. that space. And most of us just would rather just rely on certain things that we've been told will work so we can get the job, but it doesn't allow people to really see who we are. So we might end up in most yeah. cases with the wrong job. That's how they're commoditizing themselves. Yes. Though. Yeah. They're, they're actually marketing the category. Right. They're not marketing their brand. Exactly. Right? It's like they're using marketing tags on themselves saying this and this, here's, here's all the, uh, you know, here's the tags for who I am rather than, than telling the story. It occurs to me if somebody wants to say, Hey, I work well under pressure. Okay. 90% under pressure. 90% of resumes say I work well <laughs> under pressure. But if you say I work well under pressure, I oversaw a team of eight other Marines in combat under fire and we didn't lose anybody. Um, hoorah. Right. And it's like, oh, may, is that more of kind of, you can still say that if it's true and you have a story for it. And then that's kind of memorable versus just work well under pressure and then vomit out the next skill. Those are yeah, real skills if you actually have them. Well, of course. And, you know, in the example of the, the Marine you just shared, and, and so what is very important to be able to answer? How is that a part of your story? What did you right. get from that? As we said earlier, what, did, what is your... Uh, role and evolution in in that experience that needs to be felt by others, and you know I would challenge all the marketers who are listening. If you were to market the product, the service, the whatever that you are paid to market in a very bland way that doesn't allow that thing to sing to separate itself, you'd be out of a job. So well, think about yourself. You're doing the same thing to yourself. You're essentially marketing yourself out of your next job if you're not celebrating your differentness and the things that make you remarkable. So picking out something yeah. that makes you remarkable and maybe yep. you list, yeah, I have all these skills. Great. But look again, back to the Marine example, um, work well under pressure. This is a high pressure job. You can know, Hey, I have all these skills and here, this one that's really important for your job. Know that I'm not going to panic in rush hour. I'm going to hold stuff down. And again, yes, I have all that other stuff, but I know this is super critical and I have this, nailed down. It makes me think of uh, the ex-presidential candidate, uh, Andrew Yang. Um, and he, like the one word that encapsulated him is just math. And whether you like Andrew Yang or not, he seems like he's doing a good job of telling his story just through 
the word math. You think Andrew Yang, you know math, and then you're just like, oh, that's his superpower. You know his super, he has presented himself as this is my superpower. I'm sure he has a ton of skills, but he's put this one thing out to create this persona of who he is. Yes. Yes, exactly. So find something that is your superpower or you want to make your superpower kind of in and make it so, <laughs> so that you can then have that be a, a central part of your story for whatever, uh, hopefully something that's a, a valuable skill within, within the career you want to find. Yes, and go out of your way to share it with people. It's great to have it, but if you're not using it, it's like you don't have it. And it doesn't mean you have to get paid to use it. Back to what I alluded to is the essence of networking, give. And, you know, there are so many platforms to do this, even if you don't actually know a single person in the world. You can hop on LinkedIn and Facebook and Insta, wherever it is, and let people see and experience and touch what you know. And it's never been, and this is why earlier when I said you've got to pick yourself, do that and then implement a plan for letting the world know that you've done that because it will set you apart consistently wherever they encounter you. And suddenly there's your brand, there's your reputation. And right. it's so, not something that you have to wait for someone to see in your resume anymore. Jerry Maguire is right. not going to come calling saying, I want to be your agent, but you have to come calling first saying, I want to be my own agent. Correct. And then start doing the things that need to be done. Start doing just a little groundwork. Can you give some more uh, tips either in the, the hey, here's, here's this little thing, but it's really important to do or not do uh, kind of a stuff? We've covered, I guess, a lot of territory. We've talked about reputation and being purposeful and picking yourself and making meaning for others. What Those about, are the uh, big ones. Yep. Something like LinkedIn. People list, and again, I'm looking at your profile and I notice this. Um, people will list the school they went to, but frequently they, they list the year they graduated. Right. You don't list the year you graduated. I'm I don't. sure that's intentional. Um, do you, I would guess you would recommend people don't list that kind of stuff because it can cause people to, for one reason or another, not communicate with you about a job. Well, it's a great point. I, I don't list it because I'm timeless, of course, you know. But seriously, it is a good thing to list it. If you're looking, we encourage people to list. A lot of people are afraid of age bias. It's mm -hmm. a real thing. It's understandable that people who are older workers in senior roles are competing, at least in their own heads, but also in reality with millennials. It is tough to want to pick up and start over at age 55, 60, whatever. Or too young. I mean, if you graduated in 2015 and they're looking at it and they're like, well, this, we're not going to consider this person for this position. They graduated in 2015 and you're like, well, actually I did a, I went back and finished the last little last bit, but they're never going to hear that story of how you had this, you have all this experience already and you dropped out of college because you had these huge opportunities and you were doing stuff. And then you went back and finished, you know, years later or mm -hmm. yeah, you put, you know, graduated. Couldn't the age thing be like, part of a disruption sky, don't you think? Like you could even like use your age story as part of your marketing mode. Once you get the interview, but what I'm saying is by putting it in the resume, by putting it in on LinkedIn, now you're opted out and you don't even know it because they look at it and make assumptions about you that may be wrong or may be right, but you still wanted, you know, given the interview, the FaceTime there, it seems like this is the signature line in your email and its sole job is to get you in the door. And if you give people too much information, that can only get them to say no. It's like you just have to give them just enough to say, yeah, I want to talk to this person. Well, I think as with any, what do you think, I think as yeah. with any good marketing, mystique is good. 
a level of detail is great, but too much kind of sucks the a mystery the, sandwich, right? Sucks the air out of Suck it. And a good story has got air. It's got to have that kind of thing going for it. But yeah. when it comes to wanting to be noticed and and get into an interview, at some point they will understand roughly how old you are based on the positions you've held and how long you've worked there and when you went to school and so on. There are giveaways. We encourage people to be open about that. And most important, far more important than the numbers is your results. The value more than anything that you will make for your next employer. You're not an age, you're a, a person with value that could leverage what they've learned that maybe others who haven't been around as long haven't figured out yet. So with presumed wisdom and also demonstrative wisdom, you probably have a competitive advantage over people who haven't been around as long and haven't been as deliberate and thoughtful and purposeful as you've been. So that's the part of the story that needs to really be loud because then suddenly they'll say, well, it doesn't matter how old they are because they're amazing. This is the person we want. I, you don't want them to even think about that because there's your story is too amazing kind of. I mean, I guess it's you could look at uh, and I'm probably at least half the listeners are like, what's that? Uh, Doogie Hauser. I suppose if you're looking to hire in a, in a hospital and you saw just the age of the person, you'd be like, uh, this person accidentally got in here somehow. But then you, when you see their story, you're like, oh, we got to have this guy. This guy, this guy's amazing. Without the story, you've opted yourself out with the information you've given. But with the story, suddenly the information you're given now has context and it has, it's, you know, it's impressive or interesting at least enough to get you that, um, that, that interview. Correct. All right. We are getting really close to the end here. Um, any last things you can throw at us? Anything that we haven't covered that you want to cover, Tony? And if not, um, any tricks to being recruited? As a recruiter, people want to um, have a recruiter working for them. Uh, and rather than waiting by the phone or checking your LinkedIn to see if somebody's noticed you yet, how can somebody get into that space? Yeah. Well, first off, a recruiter doesn't work for you. They work for the corporation that hired them. Unless you're a corporate recruiter, in which case they are part of the corporation that has the hiring need. You'll only ever hear from a recruiter one of three times. There's an open position. There's mm. number two, they're sourcing for that position. So they're seeking referrals. And the third is client development. They're looking for business because they're executive search firms or search firms and are seeking clients. And that's when they'll remember you. Otherwise, you're not going to get them calling you. Now, having said that, when you are able to network effectively and have a story about yourself and it's demonstrable. You're out there, people know you and you're well connected. That recruiter is going to pick up on that. And there are other things you can do for recruiters, which is make yourself available as a referral so that if you find that they're sourcing, you can say, hey, I'm, I'm not the one for this job, but my friend Joe is or my friend KJ, sorry, Sky, you're gainfully employed. We're not going to steal you away. <laughs> so that makes you very, very precious to that recruiter. And the best ones do remember you. They do remember that you help them. And again, it's that spirit of helping and giving that comes back to you. And you weren't seeking anything. You were just making a connection. It doesn't take a lot. It just requires you to be aware and thoughtful and generous in a way. So that's my advice. And Uh, Beyond that, 
to to pester them to uh, ping them on LinkedIn or elsewhere, hoping that they'll notice you is a lost cause. I don't recommend that. Right. I'm a marketing assistant. Can you get me a VP job? Come on, Tony. <laughs> what do you have open? I know you have some jobs open, Tony. Just get me in I front have of somebody. Story. I won't blow the interview. I promise it. Come on. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm looking to be podcast famous. If you could get me a contract somewhere, I know they have big contracts in this in this industry. I just haven't been able to break through yet. Well, so, keep uh, doing great work. Count on you, Tony. <laughs> keep having amazing guests and um, count on on the rest of us to share your amazingness. You know, you make this available to us. We'll tell others before you know it. People are going to want to be your guest because it's a great moment. And it is. I enjoy this very much. Fantastic. I think that's a good spot to end. KJ, you have anything to uh, to throw on the end there? Any, any last uh, questions you want to add on? idea uh oh i want you know scott <laughs> you gave me this idea and then tony gave me this idea but we're talking about age discrimination and i just read something for some campaign that we were doing on aarp and how you know it's such a a big deal right so i sent it over to my hr person and i said look tyson you know we do have a, a roster of ages uh in our agency but i said let's you know actively look for you know, to, you know, hire some of these guys with great experience that are older, right? Let's, um, and then I thought, you know what, you're telling your story. You could use your story of age, like you said, and experience, but do it in such a way that it almost shames people not to hire you, or at least shames them not to interview you. You know, Sky, you're like, oh, too old, pass, pass. Whoa, 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 whoa. But you can do it. <laughs> No, I mean, you're saying this, this could happen. People do that, yeah. Thing. Tony says, people do it. But what if you, you know, used that storytelling in such a day? Like, you know, today, gender equality, or, you know, you would never pass over a woman in a heavily male-dominated industry because of all of the court of public opinion are surrounding it, right? right? You, you're shamed into not looking at that person, at least as a prospect. Why, why couldn't you do this for these older, really experienced, uh, professionals that have a lot to give. That's yeah. just an idea. Maybe you've already done it. To defend myself, um, I was back when I was hiring, <laughs> I was actually uh, chastised, I guess you might say, once for the people I was hiring because um, uh, without causing problems, they were, uh, I think, the to paraphrase, going to be impossible to fire. Uh, and that mm. was not something I was uh. considering when hiring. It was not part of my criteria, but people above me said, what are you doing? We can never fire this person. We will get sued. Uh, and I thought, oh, that's a strange way to look at it. I was just looking for qualified people. But yes, people yeah. out there think that way. Um, so you definitely need to have a story to make yourself uh, much more hireable, especially if you're in some category that might be discriminated against. Yeah, protected class. And I find, KJ, that when the employer and the potential employee stick to what is the right thing, which is the employer needs to be looking for people that are important, that will make a difference, that are vital, okay? The employee needs to demonstrate vitality. It's not about age, it's not about anything else. It's about vitality and importance. And if you remember that, then things should go just fine. And 
I know it sounds it's idealistic, but most of the best scenarios are built on that premise. Well, most of the best scenarios and best campaigns are built on a high purpose mm -hmm. like that. You're very right. And a, uh, a good story. A good story, making a good story for yourself. Uh, Tony, I want to thank you for coming on. If anybody wants to find more information on Tony and ExecuNet, check out the show notes on our site, but that's execunet.com. Obviously, you can find uh, Tony uh, at Anthony Vlahos on, uh, on LinkedIn. And then um, if you are yourself an executive at the VP level or up and you make a, you know, a good 200000 or more, um, give ExecuNet a call. I'll have this in the show notes as well, but 800 637 one, two, six. Yes, this is a plug. And uh, mention my name, uh, mention Sky, and they'll give you a free one-hour strategy uh, coaching call. Um, so uh, yeah, click the show notes for that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and um, obviously, you can find the show notes, more information on Tony on ExecuNet at ifyoumarket.com. And uh, please uh, share us on social media, tell a friend, give us a good review on iTunes. If, if you haven't subscribed somehow, but you're listening, please do subscribe and uh, help us get the word out about this show. And uh, on behalf of Carla Joe Helms and the If You Market team and Tony uh, Blahos of ExecuNet, I think I finally got it wrong. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it and with market yourself. With a personal yourself, brand. <laughs> yeah, with a personal brand, story. If you market the shit out of yourself, they will come. Awesome. There you go. All right. Thanks, Thank, you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.